And I believe, Troy, that fundamentally the power of God, the anointing of God moves through us when we offer not out of what we know, but out of what we've lived. Welcome to The Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. This podcast is here to advance the revolution Jesus started, a revolution of the free, the fire starters, the troublemakers, and the zealots. I interview people who I think are awesome, who have heard that revolutionary call and are going after Jesus with their whole heart. If you listen to this show and join our community, I know God is going to speak to you. I believe God wants to change the world through you, through your unique gifts and talents He's given you. This podcast is here to be a voice of encouragement in your life, a voice that says, with God you can, and with God you will. Let's get rolling. Today on The Kindling Fire, I have the honor and the privilege of looking at the face <laughs> of Morgan Snyder with uh, Ransom Tart. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Troy, it's really good to be with you. To, it's, it's rare and refreshing to be far apart physically, to, to come in proximity with a like-hearted ally that wants the same thing and has to fight through the same stuff to get it. So it's really a joy to see your face. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, we did a little show prep, and yeah, I'm, guys, you guys are going to be very excited for this show. We're going to, I just, I have high expectation the Lord's going to really bless you. And uh, so, Morgan, you and I uh, run in very similar circles, like um, obviously with Ransom Hart, but, but also, you know, uh, a good ally to us, which is Michael Thompson and Zoe Ministries. Yes. Uh, and so you've been, you know, friends with him for a long time, and that's that's really cool because I've been really tight with them. So yeah, Michael served as a facilitator, a sage for some of our events where we've we've done for over a decade around the message of becoming a king, and it's taken form with it's called become good soil intensive. So he's a like-hearted ally, and yeah, he's, he's led a lot of other younger guys through it. So um, just as a, uh, before we dig into some of the meat, I do have a curiosity question. So you have a very, very, um, really, can I say very one more time, very uh, good podcast called Become Becoming Good Soil, or Become Good Soil. Yes. And, um, it, and it's just, it's one of those shows that, like I tell as a fellow podcaster, you put a lot of intent in each yes. show and it comes through um, for well, sure. I appreciate that. I, I mean, I didn't start it as a show. I, I started it out of a necessity where over time I had sat under elders. I had consented to a path and process of apprenticeship in the king in the kingdom and learning how to become a kind of man in whom God can gladly entrust more and more of the care of his kingdom. And so it was an upside-down um, invitation. As you know, the upside down, the, the kingdom is upside-down, right? The first shall be last, and there are no shortcuts, and slow and steady wins the race. And it's about taking the lowest seat at the table, and rather than building, it's excavating. Mm. So over those years, Troy, while I have a heart to lead, and I believe a gifting to lead, God invited me to take a lower seat and do excavation and do work on becoming a wholehearted man rather than building my own kingdom. And so that was the story of the last 20 years. But in that process, God made it impossible to not share 
some of the treasures that I was gleaning from these older sages and these wide, wise guides. And so over time, became the become good soil intensives, and as a heart to support those alumni, I started the podcast. It was pure. It's never been marketed ever, and the spirit of it is simply to provide fuel for men who are fiercely committed to becoming. Men are committed to kingdom apprenticeship in the slow and steady path of inner transformation. And then the women that love those men that walk alongside of them. Yeah, that, man, it's just, I just really deeply appreciate, and it, and, and as somebody that's an outsider looking in, I can see that intentionality. Um, because I'm obviously in the podcast space, and, and you know, the whole, like, you know, post every day, do a show every right. <laughs> every hour, do, do a right. video. Do, I mean, it's like For the sure. entrepreneurial to-do list is long, right? Yes. And then you get your tribe and then you, you know, just right. on and on and on. And, and I have to crucify <laughs> the entrepreneur in me, right? Because I, I, like you, am an entrepreneur. I'm a strategist. Yeah. But that gifting in the service of self right. is very different than that same gifting in the service of love, out of wholeheartedness in mm. union with God. it can It's the same heart, the same Imago Dei, the image of God, but expressed in fundamentally different motives. So here's my, here's my premise, or my, my and we'll, we're going to dig into some real treasure here, but it's just, I just want to hit this one because it's, I'm so curious, it's so curious to me, is... You you've been are, your show's been around what two years three years or not your your I think the podcast about six years actually okay so the fact that it has like less than sixty shows yes please share your you shared a little bit of cons, philosophically but even it like was that a part of a pace of life for you like you would express when it was time to express and there was no like artificial sort of thing you were trying to keep keep you know running on the treadmill i i just want to yeah. know well it's fascinating because no one's ever asked me that question it's just great and and, and there's a lot behind it um my podcasts my blogs my mission to men is fueled by a walk with god it's full, full, fueled by a fundamental belief that God is the initiator and that the first movement of the soul of man is to respond to God's initiation. And just understand that that's just so opposite of how we approach the world, particularly as men, right? We begin with make a name for ourselves, make a little money, get something going. We are builders and we set to building and we think it's up to us, right? But Thomas Keating said the false self, the poser, the, the caricature is like a bicycle wheel. It's only balanced when it's spinning. It always has to be spinning. And the moment a bicycle wheel stops spinning, it falls over. Its center of gravity is self. Whereas the center of gravity of the true self is God, and it's not up to us. And so it began with a response to God's invitation that he said, I want you to offer out of the integrity of what you're living. And I believe, Troy, that fundamentally the power of God, the anointing of God moves through us when we offer not out of what we know, but out of what we've lived. Because there is a lot more knowing in this world than 
living. And in the podcast space is a great example. We can binge on content, but knowing in our mind is very different than genuine miles of an experiential reality of living out life. And so even in writing the book, I believed I was called to write, but years ago, God was very firm with me as he said, I, I, I have a message in you, but you must first become the kind of person that I can entrust with the care of this message. And then you must take the time to craft the message in a way that's accessible to people and will bring genuine transformation. And then when we're done with that together, the third part is we will find a way together to reach the many, to find the few. And those were my orders years ago. And so I set to the work of becoming and only through that did I begin writing and only after crafting it did I then turn to God when it was done and say, how are we going to get this out to the world to reach the many, to find the few? And so that's the heart behind the podcast. I don't produce it because it's a schedule. I don't produce it because I am obligated. I walk with God. I strategize, but then I have to consecrate that to God and bring that and, and, and bring that under his rule and say, God, what are you anointing to me to do? What is the pace and what is the portion that's true, true to my life in you and true to what you have me to bring to the world. And it, it is this not best practices. I, it's not what I would do as a strategist. It is not what I would do as an entrepreneur, but it's what I do as a son. <laughs> uh, I don't know whether to laugh or cry right now. So um, I... So tell I have laugh, said. Tell, tell me the laugh and tell me the cry. I would just love to know yeah. what, part of, what part of you wants to laugh and what part of you wants to cry. Oh, so I'm curious. Uh, what you're saying, you're. So I have said in this show, and I believe so fundamentally that the best sermons on earth or the best lessons to be taught is the lessons that a man lives with God. And then out of that experience, that's where anointing is and that's where authority is because you actually know in the biblical sense of knowing this yes. truth. You have yes. lived it. You have experienced it. You have tasted it. It is who you are. And then when you speak about it, you know it. And yes. there's authority and anointing in it. And, and I say the best sermons in, in, that God is preaching is through people's lives. So yes. the years of living... You come to learn certain attributes of God, and they are true, they are deep, they are well-rooted and grounded, and out of it comes an, a, just a powerful anointing. And, um, and so what you're talking about is that kind of message. And when you're trusted with that kind of message that you've lived, you've known, and God has guided and been crafted over years, that's, that's a man worth listening to, or anybody worth listening to. Yes. Whereas most of life is full of pontifications of people that do not actually know what they're speaking of, though they know it or they think they know it just because they heard it, they can repeat it, or they connected a couple dots and they're like, yeah, yes. okay, this is logically makes sense, so let me give you information. But what's fundamentally interesting is that when people receive it, it's not transformative, it's just, oh, they're dot collectors too. Great, I'll connect right. with another dot. Nobody's getting transformed. <laughs> right. Right. And if the goal, if the mission 
is to grow in maturity, right? Wisdom and stature and favor of God and man. If the mission is increasing maturity, increasing wholeheartedness, right? Uh, Lewis said that heaven is intended to be the consummation of our earthly apprenticeship. Right? It's all a path of growing. And so often we think of Christianity as this kind of static um, belief system that we have been saved or we say these prayers. But when you read the, the, the depth of the scriptures, what's fundamentally presented to us is restoration. It's transformation over time. And so you're really tapping into a very important question that relates to every human being of what is it that we do with power? See, we're all entrusted with certain things. We are all given gifts. We all have a glory to our life. We're all given care over a realm. But the question is, what do we do with power? And Dallas Willard said a fascinating quote, this idea. He said he believes the primary work of God is finding people in whom he can entrust his power. Right, what you're communicating, Troy, the power of words, the power of ideas, the power of messages. But the story of most men is being entrusted with power and it bringing harm to themselves and those under their care. Hmm. And so what I want to name is we are all being entrusted with power. But when we look around the world and we turn on the news today, just go online, you will find stories in the headlines of misuses of power, of people that have not become the kind of person that can wield power on behalf of others in strength and love. And so that's where it's, it's vital that we come to a view of reality that's central around becoming a wholehearted human being that can operate in the power of God on behalf of others. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so my laughing is that I resonate and I get it and you're speaking truth to my soul. I I cry because it's like I get swept up in that entrepreneurial way, yep. right? Of As just do I. As uh, just do I. just just crank the wheel and you know something will come out. So, um Wow, there's so much we can talk about, but let's 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 <laughs> let's talk about this wonderful work of God that you have uh, with God created over many many years called becoming a king. Uh, so I I um, and before we do that, I think I want to back up and say what is it you've talked about apprenticeship, you've talked about sort of the word of God to you about going deep and going you know sort of the taking the path of. The one that is a to be an apprentice, you know, to rise up to yes. where you are. Can you give us a little bit of the sense of um, kind of where you feel God's anointing is, and where you have given some been entrusted with something, and then how that's expressed in this book? That's a, sure. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I think this will be real particular to Kindling Fire and to your tribe out there. Uh, you know, we have a very deep shared belief that God wants to speak to us intimately and wants to communicate what he thinks about us, what he meant when he met us, because he created us very, um, you know, he, he fashioned us in his image as men 
and as women. And universally, we share certain things in our identity that are true to our gender, that are soulful and eternal. But on that foundation, he made us very unique, that there's no one like us, that we bring something to the world, some part of God that no one else brings. Hmm. We know something of the heart of God that no one else knows. That's just a fascinating reality. And there's a sobriety of how we steward that. And so I believe that God wants to speak to us about our name. And that's a whole different area we could we could spend, you know, hours on. Yeah. But the scriptures talk about us being given a name, be giving uh, it's a soul's picture in a word known only to the in this intimate language between us and God. In Revelations is real clear that we get it in part. We get it in pieces. It's like yeah. a mo- mosaic. But one day when we step fully into the kingdom, we will know and be known. And Years ago in my faith journey, I was a young man, a radical conversion. I did not grow up in a Christ-centered reality. But I was passionate, and I was young, and I was uninitiated. And so even though I was passionate about the heart of God, there were parts of me in a man's body that were a boy inside. But in those hours and in those days, I was asking God to speak to me, though I very, I, I barely had a view of understanding that God speaks, right? I mean, John 8, chapter 8 says, the, the, or John chapter 8 says, those that belong to God hear what God says. And so it's a truth that we hear his voice. The issue often, though, isn't his speaking, it's our capacity to hear. And so I was in Washington, D.C., of all places, it's probably the last place on earth I would want to be, <laughs> but I was there, and I was in this building, and I picked up this brochure of John Witherspoon. I didn't know who John Witherspoon was, but it was some kind of a graduate program, but it was describing Witherspoon. And it said, he was a man who shaped the men who shaped America. And Troy, when I read that brochure, it was like the spirit just pulled the words off, off the, the, the piece of paper and illuminated them. And like, to Isaiah, something pierced my soul. And I can only know now that it was the Holy Spirit saying, You are a man who shapes the men and women who are shaping my kingdom. And that was as clear as day. And looking back, that was probably 25 years ago, but it got burned in my heart. And I knew that that's part of my calling on the earth. But here's what's really important is most young men, we receive, and women, but I I, I spend a lot of my time ministering to men, so I speak to men. But most of us take a desire that's birthed from the heart of God, that's intended for us personally, that we are meant to fulfill. We take that desire and we go run and fulfill it. And we crash. It doesn't work. We blow up our life or we blow up other people's lives. And we come to some terrible conclusions about the heart of God, about the nature of reality, about our own heart because we fight bravely and we die quickly. Because the reality, Troy, is that desire was from God, but it was meant to be a fuel for a process of becoming the kind of person that can fulfill that destiny. And it's only a wholehearted person that can be entrusted with that sort of authority, that sort of power to wield 
good. And we so often misunderstand desire and fulfillment as being um, integrated into one experience when desire is meant to be the fuel for the process so often. And so for me, that was a young man and I was eager and thirsty, but not only did I want to change the world, I wanted to be a loving husband and a loving father. And, and, and I set my heart in that direction, but I found it in time externally, I was doing great. Internally, I wasn't well. I had fear. I had doubts. I was unsure of myself. I felt so young in places. And that's when I began this questioning. I replaced the exclamation points with question marks. And I went on pilgrimage to ask the question, where do we find life? How do we make it last? What is the most important thing? And I sought the heart of God, and over time it was revealed through older, wiser guides, some 75 elders that I sought counsel under. And what I found was this path and process to restoring the heart of a, a man. What I found was that we had to do the work of excavating that desire to shape men and women who and be shaped by them who are shaping the kingdom is God in me. But I first must ha have to crucify my false life. I have to heal the the uninitiated places. I have to break the agreements I've made with lies. I have to come into maturity so I can wear that mantle and it cannot be self-serving. It can be on behalf of others. Yeah, the term that is just resonating in my spirit is boy kings. Mm -hmm. There is a long, there is like this thirst and hunger for all the, the, um, the benefits of kingship yes. in a, in a, in a, put upon a boy. Yes. And and it's like you don't even know what you're longing for. You right. you want greatness or you want wealth or prestige or influence and you're just a boy. Right. And God knows that. And it's yes. not bad, but it is a truth. And and all that passion and zeal as a young man doesn't replace your boyhood or your youngness. Right. There is right. something. <laughs> so you're, go well, ahead. and we live in a culture that no longer values process. Amen. Right? The kingdom of God. There's a way things work, and it's not quick, and it's not cheap, and it's not easy, but it is life, and it will provide joy that surpasses all circumstances and outcomes. There is a process, and when you say that. I feel the pain of how I've suffered under kings that were uninitiated, that were boys in kings' roles. But I also have immense compassion, Troy, because most men are put in kingly roles far too early. Mm. I have a dear friend that at 12 years old, his dad was a pastor and he had an affair with the secretary and he looked his son in the eye and he said I'm leaving you're the man of the household now and that story plays itself out a thousand times a thousand of men being put in kingly roles either because there are uninitiated older men above us or out of our own brokenness and not understanding the path of master uh, of, of maturation and initiation, we seek it out to answer the soul's question, do I have what it takes? 
Am I a real man? Who am I really? And we seek out paths of power and promise. And so what I want to say is that desire to rule is from God. The Mm -hmm. desire to be powerful is from God. The desire to exercise a, a fierce mastery over a thing is from God. To be a great artist, to be a great leader of a of a mission, we were created to create. But we have to be very aware of the internal landscape of our soul. And it's only through becoming wholehearted that then we can be on time in our path and our process of becoming entrusted with a kingdom. Yeah, that's so good. I I think of another uh, quick experience of the Lord. Um, So you can think of taking your cell phone out and trying to capture the galaxy, right? You're on top of a beautiful mountain and you see the Milky Way and you're trying to capture the moment and you take a photo and it never quite gets it. There was right. a, there's a tree near where uh, I used to live in Kona, Hawaii, that is one of these banyan trees that is just beyond description because of the breadth and the size of it. And I yes. tried to take pictures of it. And every time I'm near it, I take pictures of it, and it never does it justice. And the Lord spoke to me, and he said, you're kind of like that. Everybody's trying to capture people into little boxes, right? You're a a man, or you're a king, you're that, so therefore you must be, here's your box. It's picture size, it's quote-worthy, it's conformed. But what the Lord is doing through the maturation process that you're talking about are creating things that are not easily boxed in. They're yes. grand, they are deep, they are, they, they are just beyond something you capture in a photo. It is the complexities, the intricacies. It's beautiful. It's, awe, it's awesome. It's awe-inspiring. And that's the kind of process God is trying to lead men to. And we're we're taking trying to find shortcuts to become these you know beautiful galaxies of, of God's lights or totally. banyan trees of size that are uh, that are awesome, and we think it happens overnight. It's, exactly, we're, we're fools. <laughs> well, and nature is meant to be a text. You know, it was God's first text to speak to us. And so, when you think of that banyan tree, right? We have beautiful uh, scrub oak trees here in the Colorado foothills. That tree lives in the heart of the acorn, but it began as an acorn, and that acorn had to find good soil. And when it finds good soil and it is steadily provided nutrients and sunlight and water, it grows over time. And what's fascinating about our scrub oak is they actually are, they grow their best when they are stimulated by either fire burn or being eaten by deer and animals. The actual irritation and trimming, pruning of the branches causes much more growth. Fire actually causes increased health and growth over time. And so it's in that seed, but what's beautiful is God is such a generous sower. The issue isn't the seed, though we often turn to God and say, where's the seed? The issue is the condition of the soil, right? Jesus made it really clear. He says, what's so fascinating about the supernatural reality of the kingdom that I I unpack in becoming a king is in that soil, there are these different conditions. And it's almost like Jesus saying, if all these conditions exist within every soul, what parts of you 
are represented by what parts of this soil. And over time, if we can go through maturation and initiation where the rocky soil becomes healthy, where the hard-packed soil becomes healthy, where the weeded soil becomes healthy, we become good soil. The, the ROI is supernatural. It's 30, <laughs> 60, 100 fold. The irony of the kingdom of God is the shortest, fastest path is the slow and steady process. And we don't want process in our age, but the kingdom of God has a way things work. And when we cooperate with it, it's not only life-giving, but it's intimate, it's affectionate. We, we sense God's personal way of, of, of inviting us into the, the unique path of recovering the narrow road to life. So let's talk uh, more about becoming a king. So I'm so excited, actually, about this book. Um, tell me a little bit more of kind of um, your your heart behind it, and and yeah, just just tell us more about about it. Sure. Yeah. Just going back to the beginning of where we started, uh, it, it started for me out of both ache and longing. It was the longing to walk with God and to become a man that can be entrusted. And the ache was, why are things going sideways? Like marriage is one of the places you can't hide, right? Mike Mason says she's like an oak tree in your living room. She's always there, right? Anywhere you need to go, you have to walk around it. And that's a good thing. It's saving because it saves us from what uh, Brene Brown calls engineering smallness, of architecting a life, a caricature that's self-protecting, where basically we don't need God. And so I found myself asking those questions, turning to older men, trying to recover the ancient path. And what I appreciate, G.K. Chesterton said that every generation loses the gospel, this path back to life, every generation. And it's every generation that's charged with its recovery. And so it's like a pendulum. The gospel is always being lost, always being recovered, always being lost, always being recovered. And that's what keeps it pure. That's what keeps it true. It's always tribal. It's always organic. Over time, history tells us it's always really on the fringes and not on the main line of society. So, And that would be one of the... the the reasons for these ornate, beautiful, amazing churches that lack life. Exactly. Like in- because there was a time they were filled with life, right? Yeah, ex- I remember I was in uh, Germany in a cathedral backpacking in Europe when I was a kid trying to find my heart. And there was this beautiful, beautiful cathedral, or not cathedral, just a, a church in Pretzfeld, Germany, small little farm town. And it was the most beautiful part of town because everybody gave their greatest treasures in the community to build this church. They had no money for furniture. Everyone brought their chairs from their house and the community went without chairs until they could build their own chairs. And so the church is filled, not with pews, but chairs that are all different. And it was a symbol of the community saying our houses for God will be the best treasure we have. And now the church is empty, right? No, no one's there. And so the spirit is always moving and people latch on to things, right? Jesus says, right, you look for scriptures for life. And he says, it's me that comes through the scriptures, but you fail to see me. Yeah. And so, so yeah, I, 
I, I wanted to recover the gospel. And so what I found in the counsel of these older men over years was it wasn't new, but it was newly recovered. And there was a path and a process to becoming wholehearted, to becoming the kind of man, the kind of woman, the kind of person that God can entrust with care. And so what I found on this path were these universal kind of themes, themes like rather than building our own kingdom, taking that God-given desire for power and to build, we must first do the excavation. We must first lay a foundation of wholeheartedness that God can build whatever it is he would want to build. And then through that process, we have an ear to hear, God, what is your timing? What is your portion? What is your ask of me? And we can consent to that. We become a person that operates in authority and under authority. But even more nuanced in the book, Troy, there's very practical ideas. So I start big picture with these big ideas of becoming a son, becoming a generalist, becoming who God meant when he meant us, trying to recover these universal themes. But then I go very practical of what does that look like on the real day in and day out? Because let's face it, the world's being shaken right now. And when things are shaken, what it reveals, as Hebrews says, is what can be shaken and what cannot be shaken. And most men's kingdoms are propped up kingdoms. Amen. Right? They're like very large trees that have been transplanted. And you see those large trees with huge stilts, you know, major structure with T-posts to hold them in place because their root system is not big enough to handle what you see above. And most men are upside down kingdoms. We have more kingdom than we have character, wholeheartedness to handle it. And when the storm comes, things are revealed, right? You see the power when people's storms come in their lives, you see what's unseen, right? Dallas Willard said the most important things in life are always what's unseen. And that's why when I look at trees, what I mostly look at are the roots what you cannot see with the eye, only the eye of the heart. And so Becoming a King was the embodiment through a video series, an in-depth study guide over time, a book to take a person through the path and the process that recovers the way in which we can consent to God's uh, plan so that we can become entrusted with much and even more we can find joy we can find hope we can find peace that isn't dependent on circumstances or outcomes yeah yeah i so so you and i talked before the show about uh that hebrew scripture and that was what this very scripture god spoke to me about covid is that yes. I am shaking what can be shaken, and yes. that which cannot be shaken will remain. That's beautiful. And, um, and it was just, and it's so true. I think that if you're a man listening or, or even a woman, and, and this, has, this crisis has revealed shaky foundations, right? Yes. It doesn't mean, and I love what you said earlier, is it doesn't mean when the Lord spoke to you about you will be this kind of man, or I have this kind of anointing on you. Uh, just because you're not that at the moment, or you are maybe not uh, walking in that at the moment, doesn't mean that calling is not true. It just means at the moment you, you maybe have some shaky foundations. That excavation means you got to remove this 
to build a new foundation exactly. in this part of your life, in marriage or finances or relationships or future or whatever it is that shake that is getting shaken right now. Yes. Yeah, I remember when I was young and I turned to a mentor with this question, and I didn't even know the questions to ask. I remember going to um, a, a man that had much life, and I said, I, I want to walk with you. Teach me life. And he said, what are your questions? And I said, I don't even know what my questions are. And he said, that's normal. That's good. But apprenticeship in the kingdom is always formed by the questions. So you have to search your soul and figure out what your questions are. He said, but in the meantime, I want you to just notice. Look around the world. Look around your world. Find older men and ask the question, what took them out? Where did they get taken out? Where did they lose their way? And it was so um, humbling because, Troy, what I noticed was there were good-hearted men that for the first time I realized they were just like me. When they were at my stage, they were filled with life and longing. They wanted to have true love. They wanted to have deep meaning in relationships and do meaningful work in the world. And then their life took a turn that at one point became tragic. And I saw these very interesting patterns. But what was most important was to observe that there is shaking. That the scriptures say Jesus will cause the rising and the falling of kingdoms. That's fascinating. So, scripture speaks to constant shaking and it's very informative because branches that don't bear fruit are meant to be chopped off and branches that do bear fruit are meant to be pruned. And we have oversized kingdoms and we have to consider the question with God, what would it look like to soul size our kingdom? Mm. And there's examples of people that have done that. Um, I mean, Francis Chan is one that comes to mind. Uh, you know, someone that, that says, this whole big church thing, is this really the kingdom of God for me, for, for the path that I need to walk? And the fact that he walked away from it to search out the kingdom that God had called him to, he's yes. like one of those examples that he was yes. soul-sizing his kingdom. We don't have a ton of those examples. There's some. But he's like just one of those examples. I, yes. I think the question that I would ask, and I would ask to see how you would respond, is the question seems to be, are you willing to lose your kingdom for his kingdom? That ultimately is, your, is the kingdom you're looking for, but it does not come for free. It's not a like an upgrade to an upgrade to an upgrade, right? <laughs> It's a, right? you, if you know what I'm saying, so that, that path. Totally. Okay, so how would you respond to that? Because I think that's a misconception. People just think, oh, cool, I'm getting upgraded. <laughs> right. Well, it reveals our motive, right? Like, you just look in this Easter as fascinating. We're going through the Gospel of John with our family because we had the brilliance of COVID of, of a Holy Week without a bunch of you know, religious activity. And so we could just be family. And John, when he talks about the resurrection of Christ, he is very clear to communicate. He came in first. He saw Jesus first. He beat Peter to the tomb. I find very little evidence for any motivation in that passage other than John just wanting us to know that, by the way, he was faster than Peter. Like, what is that? What is that, right? But we know it. If you and I were racing, Troy, do, do we want to lose? No. Right? 
no, we don't want to lose. So we don't want to lose at chess. We don't want to lose in our finances, right? <clears throat> and it reveals, again, it is God in us. We were meant to rule, but it's in the service of love. And the question is, what is the fuel behind our lives? And when you step between a man and his kingdom, mm-hmm. you will quickly reveal what his motives are between in a business in a church, in a ministry, if you get in between him and his building, it will show you the kingdom that he serves. And I think what I'd offer in closing just for our time, because it's so important, is the kingdom of God is a process of life giving way to death so that death can give way to a greater life. Nature teaches us that out of every death, is a rebirth, but we don't have life without going through death. And the masculine process of initiation is one of moving through increasing death. That's the only path that leads to a greater life. And so it's only in eventually crucifying our own agenda, our own need for validation, for identity, for power, that's self-serving, that then we are free to find that seated in the heart of our Father. And when we know from our Father that we are loved, when we know that we are powerful, when we know that we have both a universal purpose to bring to the earth as a man and a woman and a unique purpose to bring to the earth in God's kingdom that you and you alone bring, that's when... The, the kingdom can come and love can prevail that only comes as life that is gone through the process of passing through death. Mm. And I would say that um, you and me are united in this voice to the listeners. Trust God in that process because some people come up to the edge of that death and it just reveals, is God good? Does he have my best intention in mind? Is this just for destruction? And, and nothing to show for it. And we both um, have walked through enough death and rebirth to say, no, God's intention is good. Totally. He loves you. <laughs> you know. And- oh, and Troy, one thing, like, so, so much of the book and the message, it was gleaning the counsel of these elders, right? Like, I feel like part of my kingdom calling is curating and distilling ancient truths, mm. right? And so mining... Um, from these guys, just particular treasures. And this area of passing um, death through life, when you talk to the elders, when you lean into an older man, when you have the privilege of sitting with a 70-year-old man who has light in his eyes, has hope in his eyes. I sat with a 70-year-old man that came here from Australia to spend time with his mentors. Now, just think about that. An older man who's in his 70s that's coming to sit under mentors. His son was recently crushed under a bulldozer in front of his eyes. I don't know of any suffering worse than the suffering of the loss of a child. And he looked me in the eyes, and his eyes were young and alive and filled with hope and joy, even though his body was aging. And Even my body, when I was in his presence, felt relief, 
felt an exhale, felt like the weight came off my shoulders. And he spoke about our inward life being becoming greater than our outward life. But it was his presence that so formed me that now, 13 years later, I'm sitting here talking to you about it. He's a man who's passed through his initiation. It's a universal path that we all have to walk our unique path within it, but there's no way around it. That's how the kingdom operates. And here's the piece I would offer that I learned from him is the risk. Whatever risk we're facing feels huge. It feels enormous. It almost, I dare say it feels impossible. But the risk that you and I are facing today and all the listeners out there, whatever risk you're facing is small in comparison to the risk that God wants to entrust to your care on the road ahead. But if we don't practice the exercise of courageous risk-taking now, as they increase, we will not have the capacity to take that risk. And so what I want to say is the risk feels big now, but it's actually small in comparison to where God's leading. He's a father and he's providing everything we need in the process, but we must practice the discipline of risk-taking. Yeah, so uh, so uh, our mutual friend, I believe you know uh, Justin Camp, uh, he does yes. Wire for Men. He, he said to me in their kitchen, they have a sign that says it's always impossible until, yes, it, until it's done. It's always yes. impossible until it's done. And that's what you're, that's exactly what you're capturing. It is. And I think, I think one last thought, you know, cause you have to get practical, right? Troy, like yeah, when, yeah. when the podcast is over and someone looks at the text of their life and says, well, what do I do? Right? right. I had a very kind elderly guide, a woman speak into my life, the words of St. Francis, where I was in a very low point. I was battling deep anxiety. I was going through some trauma work and she said, son, Start by doing what's necessary today. And by doing what's necessary, you will find that in time you can do what's possible. And in time and over time, you will find yourself doing what is impossible. And Troy, it's so helpful because Jesus makes the impossible possible, but it starts with doing the necessary. And so yeah. what does your heart need for life right now? What is the risk that you need to take? Where do you need to soul size your kingdom? Where do you need to repent from taking shortcuts and consent today in a very practical way to say, I choose to consent to the slow and steady process of becoming the kind of person that God can entrust with more and more of his kingdom. Well, I um, thank you for for taking the journey that you've taken so that when you speak, it comes with a journey. It's not yes. just, it, just thank you. There's so few that actually are willing to, to do that. And, and I just want to say as a, a recipient of some of the things you've shared today and what you're sharing in the book, thank you. And yes, then, and <laughs> it's my honor. It's just my honor to invest in your community, my honor to invest in you. And if anything is resonating in this, you know, the blogs, the podcasts, the, the content of the video and the book, it's all at becomingaking.com. And it is a community of like-hearted allies that are willing to recover the narrow road in every generation. It's available to all. 
but very few say yes. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on the show. It's been awesome. So becomingaking.com or becomegoodsoil.com, uh, and, uh, and your book's going to be out very, very soon. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. Go to Instagram at The Kindling Fire to find out more about what we offer, as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Kindling Fire. There you can find Bible devotionals, e-courses, and etc. Okay, guys, as always, be awesome.